The Alaska Powerline podcast is generously supported by GenPack. As a stocking electric utility distributor, GenPack has been taking care of customers in the Pacific Northwest since 1965. With a strong customer focus and dedicated sales staff, they have built lasting relationships by providing quality products with value-added services. Now with a new Anchorage warehouse and a dedicated Alaska sales and support team, GenPack is ready to take care of their Alaska customers for years to come. Visit them at www.genpack.com for more information. GenPack, taking care of our customers since 1965. Welcome to Alaska Powerline, the podcast of Alaska Power Association, the statewide trade association for electric utilities in Alaska. On Alaska Powerline, we talk about issues facing Alaska's electric utilities, interview a wide range of guests, and demystify what it takes to provide power in the last frontier. Welcome back to the Alaska Powerline podcast. I'm Michael Ravito, Deputy Director of Alaska Power Association, and we're really excited today to be joined on the podcast by Dr. Aaron Whitney, the Director of the Arctic Energy Office. Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're both in different parts of South Central, and it's been snowing for two days plus. How's things at your uh, house down there? Is it piling up pretty good? It is. We had 18 inches this morning, and I think it snowed more on top of that. Um, It actually looks like it might be subsiding just a little bit, but that's the first time all day I've seen a break in the snowfall. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed up here in Palmer, the sun is shining, although I've uh, snowblowed, if that's even the correct word, my driveway twice already today. And so more's coming, but that's not, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Although snow and cold is definitely a part of Alaska being the only Arctic state, but we're here to talk about the Arctic Energy Office. But first, tell us a little bit about you. I mean, you're, you're in the energy space for a long time up here in Alaska. What, what is your background and, and how did you get to uh, the Arctic Energy Office? Thanks, Mike. Well, I do think actually the snowfall is a little bit relevant because it points to some of the unique challenges that we have up here and some of what I think makes it exciting to work up here because of our resilience um, challenges such as snowfall or other natural occurrences. And I I think it is what, what keeps our work exciting. But beyond that, my background, after graduate school, I worked at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory for almost a decade in Colorado and uh, then was fortunate enough to be able to come back home to Alaska, uh, to Anchorage, where I was raised. And by that time, I had a husband and two kids in tow and uh, had a job offer at the University of Alaska with the Alaska Center for Energy and Power. And that came about in 2014. And we came back up and worked there for almost a decade again until January of this year, 2023, when I stepped into this position as director of the Arctic Energy Office. So I primarily had a research background, um, moving from national lab setting to uh, more of a systems research focus here in Alaska. And now I think what's really attractive to me is um, playing a part in this clean energy transition that's overtaking our world for a number of reasons and ensuring that Alaska is part of that and not only a part of it, but a leader in it. So I see this as a really incredible opportunity um, with funding levels that I've never seen in my lifetime. Uh, And so far it's been 
a, a huge adventure, um, a very steep learning curve, and there has never been a dull moment. Yeah, I, I can imagine just also working in the energy space. You're absolutely right that the moment we're in now with the technology that's coming to the fore and the knowledge that's um, out there in clean energy and energy diversification. And, and as you mentioned, the, the federal funds, I mean, we've at APA, we've been seeing the announcements for funding coming fast and furious over the last year. And I know a number of our members are seeking to take advantage of those with some success. So it's been, it's been really exciting. Um, so you're the director of the Arctic Energy Office, which is not a, a brand new office, but it might be relatively new to folks hearing about it on the podcast. Can you just talk a little bit about what the Arctic Energy Office is and kind of where it lives in the federal landscape? Yeah. So the Arctic Energy Office has a little bit of an interesting history. It's been around, uh, but it was reauthorized um, by Energy Secretary Perry under President Trump uh, and had an interim director for two years before I took this position as permanent director. Uh, so in its current um, version, uh, it's it's only a couple years old. Um, it's really unique at DOE. It's the only regional energy office in the Department of Energy ecosystem. Uh, there's over 40 offices within the Department of Energy, and there's no other office that's regionally based. And I think it's really appropriate. It speaks to um, the need for that kind of an office in the Arctic. I think it speaks to the complexity of Arctic issues and the need to have uh, an on-the-ground um, representative in the Arctic, helping bring the Arctic to the Department of Energy and bringing the Department of Energy uh, to the Arctic. Um, a lot of our circumstances in Alaska and the Arctic are quite different from the rest of the United States. Um, we get crazy amounts of snowfall, not that other places don't, but we have more generally, you know, very extreme weather conditions. We have different tribal structures. Uh, we Our grids are different. You know, we're not connected to the rest of the United States. Uh, we have microgrids in several hundred of our remote communities. These are all realities that the rest of the United States doesn't deal with. And it, I think it very much merits having a regional office like ours um, to help make those connections and to make sure that Alaska is included in all the great work that the Department of Energy is doing. Um, we are responsible for the three main pillars of not only energy, but also science and security. Um, so I fondly like to refer to the Department of Energy as the Department of Everything, because that's a lot to cover. Uh, and I think that's one reason it's uh, always stimulating and at times even overwhelming. Um, but one thing I will emphasize is that our purview over those topics is underpinned by engagement with community and our stakeholders. Uh, that's really at the heart of everything that we try to do, uh, making sure that um, the residents of the Arctic are involved in and have access to uh, the resources uh, the department provides. Yeah, that, that's really, it's interesting as, as an Alaskan myself, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see this office because like you mentioned, you know, DOE, um, of course, the headquarters is back in Washington, D.C. And you're absolutely right the way you described it. I've been in that building before. It's, it is massive. I mean, you could probably you could probably fit most of the state of Alaska's population and part of that building down there. Um, so to have a, an agency or an office like the Arctic Energy Office that's kind of 
on the ground here in Alaska with expertise and, and can be able to almost like uh, be the experts in DO, within DOE. I think that's that's really positive for, for the state. And I think there's there's real, a lot of opportunity there. You mentioned, and I've heard you say this before, and it's it's an obvious fact, but it's it's worth repeating that you know, Ar- Alaska is the only reason America is an Arctic nation. We make the United States an Arctic nation. Can you talk just a little bit about? I mean, how does Alaska play into the general Arctic um, space? Like, I, I know you know we have other nations in the in the world that are Arctic nations. I mean, do are are we very similar to them uh, in terms of energy, or do we have? Can they learn from us, and we can learn from them? Like, where are we at in that in that area? You know, different Arctic nations have different, I think, energy portfolios and different emphases. Uh, Alaska historically has been an oil state, um, and you look at some of the other countries and their circumstances and their similarities and differences. Um, Iceland, where I was fortunate enough to visit uh, several weeks ago, uh, has a lot of geothermal and and hydropower. Uh, And I think there's a lot that Alaska can learn from that country. Um, Over in the EU, in the Scandinavian countries, um, there's some very different or, you know, more aggressive clean energy goals uh, and, but very different government structures as well. Um, And then closer to home, we have Canada, uh, we have Greenland. Um, we can't forget Russia, although those relationships are certainly strained right now. One of the things we focus on in our office is our interactions with our international Arctic neighbors. And we have a person in our office, he's actually based on the East Coast, who focuses on those interactions, on those high-level diplomatic talks, on bilateral agreements, um, on anything with that international flavor. And it's, it's a very active area of activity, um, and I think we will see even more, especially as uh, the Arctic o- opens up physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's so much we can learn from each other, and um, I think you'll be hearing more developments along those lines uh, from the Department of Energy in terms of specific activities coming in the next months. Yeah, it's definitely it's good to to have those interactions. I think because, like you said, you know, we we be mean Alaska, United States can learn from other Arctic nations, but we could also export what we know to those nations as well, and then for the benefit of the whole world in, in the end, actually. So, what are some of the uh, what are some of the current items that the Arctic Energy Office is working on? I know you have your mission down there, but what is some of the? And we'll get into the Arctic Ambassadors Program in just a second. But is there anything else that you guys are working on that's uh, really stands out to you? Well. Within, we have the three main areas of energy and science and security. Um, I think the energy realm is probably what's best known. Um, You know, we are active and actually our office leads the state hydrogen working group. We're working on a uh, opportunities report for hydrogen uh, in the state. Uh, We are trying to bring up to Alaska technology fellows in hydrogen uh, nuclear technologies and hopefully more technologies in the future. Um, within the science realm, it's actually interesting. I believe that DOE is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, funder of science activities in Alaska. Oh, interesting. Uh, and there's a lot that's happening, especially up in the north, um, with environmental and ecosystem monitoring uh, in the context of climate change. 
We have research stations up there uh, with doing really interesting research, looking at these trends uh, over time with uh, rapidly changing conditions. Uh, and then, you know, within security, the security framework, um, you know, we are thinking, you know, obviously about, you know, national defense or, you know, pieces of that, um, but also, you know, thinking about security broadly defined, environmental security, human security, and how all of those intersect with energy. So in the past, our office has uh, funded the ARENA program. That's the Arctic Remote Energy Networks Academy, which is a way for practitioners from different Arctic countries to get together and learn from each other's projects and develop new projects together. Um, we've had um, an Arctic embassy fellow who went over to Iceland. Um, so those have been some recent projects. Uh, but, you know, on a sort of broader scale, we coordinate a lot of visits to Alaska for senior DOE officials. And um, that's a lot of work, but it's so important to get people from D.C. to come to Alaska and understand uh, the conditions on the ground because it helps inform their programs. So we totally. help we act as a translator in a lot of cases. Uh, we do a lot of engagement with in-state um, workshops and conferences uh, and Again, all towards the goal of helping people understand the DOE mission and making our resources accessible uh, to our stakeholders up here. Uh, and then, of course, you mentioned the ambassadors program, and I would love to talk about that. Um, is now the right time to do that? Yeah, yeah. I was going to just say, I guess in in a short sentence, you could sum up the Arctic Energy Office as busy. It sounds like you guys are very busy doing a lot of good things, and I, I really like what you said about coordinating visits to Alaska, because you're right, that's so powerful for folks who, I mean, I think everyone has their own ideas about Alaska, meaning those who don't live in Alaska. And But to get folks up here and really see the impact, I think is really crucial. So I'm glad that that's happening. But yes, let's let's go on to the Arctic Ambassadors Program. So you've, you've, you're launching a new program and there's some important deadlines coming up. So um, yeah, talk about the Arctic Ambassadors Program and, and what, it, what it is and what you're intending to do with it. Great, thank you. So the Arctic Energy Ambassadors Program, it's envisioned as a cohort of ambassadors from across the state. So a very geographically diverse uh, representation of, of, of people from across the state um, who will help, uh, you know, bring projects and priorities from these regions um, related to the DOE mission uh, to fruition. Uh, the, we have an online application portal that is now open. Applications are due November 22nd. That's the day before Thanksgiving. And then we hope to actually choose uh, this cohort of ambassadors uh, in December and kick things off in early 2024. Our office is putting money toward this ambas these ambassadors' time. Um, and it'll be a two-year program to start. Uh, so we're hoping that um, with this you know, financial resource put towards the program, uh, that allows people in these regions to be able to focus and devote their time and resources toward um, developing projects and concepts, you know, to the stage where DOE can then bring uh, resources to bear, whether it's technical assistance, where it's whether it's funding opportunities, those could be grants, those could be loans, those could be, you know, private partners, it could be public-private partnerships, or we might even say, you know, there's another better federal opportunity that you ought to go for. Um, the whole point is to see uh, priorities move forward uh, within the purview of DOE um, interests and responsibilities. So 
Again, I should say that these ambassadors could be seasoned energy professionals. They could be new energy professionals. Uh, they could be well-connected community members. Um, the point is to find representatives who uh, can have this regional focus. And we're letting people define what they think a region should be. Um, you know, at first we were thinking, oh, we'll do an ambassador in each of the 12 Alaska Native Corporation regions. But, you know, there may be other conceptions of what those regions ought to look like. So we're trying to make that flexible with the end goal that we get this diverse um, representation from across the state and that we really get voices from these regions who know these regions. Because even though I'm from Alaska and I grew up in Alaska and I've spent a lot of my time in Alaska, Alaska is a huge state. And uh, I don't know the whole state. Um, And I think anyone would be hard pressed to say that they know the whole state very, very well. So it's about expanding our reach and then creating um, these conversations, bringing this cohort together on a regular basis to develop their ideas, to exchange their ideas, to receive training from DOE, to give feedback to DOE about you know, how we can improve what we're doing. It's about creating that connective tissue and uh, the two-way communication so that we really are having an open conversation um, about energy projects, uh, science priorities, security uh, issues, and how to move them forward in Alaska. And this seems like a pretty unique program. Is this, does any other state have an ambassador program like the one that you, you've designed for Alaska? So there was a similar program run out of the Office of Indian Energy. I think it was in the 2015, 2016 timeframe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is sort of a, a new and improved version of that. Uh, we've put um, some more funding into it. Uh, and we've tried, we've learned from that program and tried to design this one um, with that in mind. Um, and I should say that this program that we're designing this time, you know, it's not meant to replace or compete with any other programs in the state. You know, I know that the Alaska Federation of Native has an ambassador program looking at funding opportunities. I know that there are other organizations thinking about, you know, their own ways of doing this outreach. And our goal is to complement those efforts. Um, We want to talk to anyone and everyone who is doing work similar to ours and figure out how we can add value to their work and how they can add value to ours. Um, This ambassador network is meant to be a resource for the entire state, and I really hope it can be that. Yeah, and and you mentioned you want to have a a, kind of a diverse membership in the um, the ambassador program. And so I guess you want people from probably all over the state. You mentioned the 12 uh, native corporation regions. So you're looking Southeast, South Central urban area, Arctic, kind of all over the place, right? We are. And I think the other important thing to note is that, uh, you know, we'll meet regions where they're at. Some regions may want to plow straight ahead, you know, with d- projects for development. Other regions might want to do some energy planning. And it's all it's all good. Um, the point is to develop this capacity um, and to bring along all the regions of Alaska, wherever they're at, uh, and and see real progress. I should also say that, um, and I guess this maybe gets into the details a little bit, but you know, if there's an ambassador from a region that perhaps lives in a larger hub community that's not in that region, we'll consider that as well. Um, but obviously that ambassador has to have those connections to be effective in the region that he or she, you know, proposes to represent. So 
again, we're trying to be very flexible. Uh, we're trying to accommodate all the varied circumstances and situations that exist in Alaska. Uh, and I'm really hoping it receives a good uh, reception. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems like uh, it's going to ha- yield some interesting results, especially since you'll have, I, I mean, I would imagine the people who apply to be an ambassador are going to be the motivated, passionate folks who are going to put the time into it. And so I guess the the hope is then that they'll liaison in a way with their region and be able to, uh, in, you kind of said two ways. So they'll be able to talk with their regional folks about what's going on, what's available, kind of do that back and forth. So I, I'm really hoping this is, you'll get some great people on on board there. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Or at least I hope so. The other thing I want to emphasize is that, you know, whatever resources ambassadors identify as needed, uh, we want to make publicly available to the whole state. So it's not like, you know, only these dozen or so ambassadors will get this information. I think they will be our guides and they will help identify um, the types of information that we need. And of course, they'll hear it. Um, but to the extent possible, when we bring this information to the ambassadors, um, we hope to make it available to the entire community. Uh, it's not meant to be exclusive at all. Okay, great. Well, before we switch topics here, how can people find more information about this? I, get, I, I know it's on the Arctic Energy Office's website, but how should people find uh, more information? Uh, folks can go to energy.gov slash arctic. Uh, And that will take you right to a big button for the ambassadors program. And from there, there's information. uh, There's the online application. We just did a virtual webinar today that will be posted along with a slide deck, uh, frequently asked questions. Um, There is a contact uh, email for any further questions. Um, In short, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, Don't hesitate to ask us questions. help us help you figure out how we can make this work uh, to move your region and the state forward. Okay. Well, for those listening, if you're interested, remember November 22nd is the deadline. So make sure you get your stuff in by then so that this thing can move forward. Well, good. Well, Aaron, with the time we have left, we just have a little bit left. I wanted to know you've been like we mentioned before, you've been around a long time in Alaska and, and in the energy world, you've seen things progress and some new technology come to the fore. What are you excited about these days for for Alaska in, in the energy realm? What what sort of what are you watching? What sort of new technologies or new approaches or anything that really has, has gotten you excited? It all excites me, but <laughs> you're asking me to choose, so I guess I have to choose a few. Choose wisely, um, they say. <laughs> that's right. Um, I want to see demonstration projects across a wide range of technologies, and that's where I think the department can help. Um, I think there's a number of technologies that are just on the cusp of, of seeing deployment here. And if we can demonstrate them, if we can show that they will work, I think that we will see replications. You know, I liken it to sort of the solar photovoltaics technology deployment explosion, literally, that we've seen in this state. You know, I was involved in the early stages of the Solarize campaign in Anchorage and, you know, solar installations were put on rooftops and then Mm -hmm. larger installations were considered, you know, for utility scale applications. Uh, And then remote communities saw, you know what, this is a great technology. There's no moving parts that are going to ice up in the next winter storm. Uh, Let's try it. And it's taking off like wildfire. 
uh, and because people have shown that it can be done. So with respect to specific technologies, I would love to see a hydrogen demonstration up here. Uh, there's also a lot of conversation about nuclear technologies, so some small modular reactors and micro reactors. Um, I will admit, you know, I was uh, quite a skeptic for a while, but have learned a lot about it since stepping into this position. And mm -hmm. uh, it has a lot of promise for some really interesting use cases in Alaska. Uh, and I think it's worth at least having a conversation about, you know, with the understanding that, you know, every community and stakeholder gets to make their own decision about their energy future. Um, I think there is promise for geothermal resources in Alaska. Uh, we have such a wealth of resources here, both on land, offshore. Um, I, I guess what excites me is that we can be more than just an oil producing and an oil exporting state. Uh, I mean, I've seen the transformation just in my own professional lifetime. When I left uh, for college in the early 90s, nobody was talking about renewable energy. Uh, and now we talk about it all the time. Um, similarly, you know, we've always been an oil producing state. And I think that that paradigm uh, can shift. Uh, I think we will always, of course, probably produce oil and natural gas. But I think there is so much that we can add uh, to that mix. And I'm committed to seeing what tools I can leverage as a representative of the federal government to help make that happen. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And, and I know you know, APA's electric utility members are are watching and excited about all those various technologies you've been looking. You you mentioned um, micronuclear, of course, has been something that the state. Uh, I guess we will see an example of up at the Isleson Air Force Base here in the soon near future. I guess, but I know that our electric utility members are watching that one very closely because that could be a significant game changer, particularly for an isolated electric utility you know, that doesn't have very many other options for generation fuel and maybe they're on diesel or, or something other high cost. And, and yeah, and, and the solar penetration has just blown up over the years. So we like to say at APA, and I'm sure you might agree, if, if it can work in Alaska, it can work anywhere. And I think that's been kind of a, a mantra of ours when we go back to Washington, D.C. and talk to folks back there about, you know, if you have a project to demonstrate, if you can demonstrate it in the state of Alaska and it can hold up to the conditions in the in the in the the needs, then it can go anywhere in the country. So I think that's really exciting. Agreed. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. We're we're uh, we, we could nerd out for a long, long time over over energy, and and I'm a guy who has rooftop solar on my roof here in in uh, in Palmer, and I won't go too in depth on that because it's not a podcast about me. But I'll just say it works, definitely works, and it was a, a great uh, experience for us. So Alaska, that's this these technologies can work in Alaska for sure. Well, Aaron, anything that, that we missed about the Arctic Energy Office? Is there anything else you'd like to mention before we close it out today? I don't think so. I'm just very excited about the prospects in Alaska. I'm excited uh, about the work that APA is doing uh, to represent our utilities. I think we have so much uh, so much promise as a state. And um, to your comment about, you know, if it can work in Alaska, it can work anywhere. I think that's in large part because of the incredible people that we have up here uh, people with a can-do spirit, the scrappy people who can figure things out and who help each other out. Um, and that's one reason why I love living up here and why I love working on energy projects up here is because we do pull together as a community. And um, I think that our office can continue to help facilitate those conversations and uh, the consensus building, hopefully, 
uh, that we need to continue moving our state forward. Yeah, no, I, I second that. That's a, that's a great, great words to end on. This, this state is like one big community. And what I've realized in my career in the energy space up here is people really do care and they, they want to get the best results. So good way to end. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it as well. And I think I'm going to go back outside and shovel now. There you go. Me too. So we've been talking with Dr. Aaron Whitney, the director of the Arctic Energy Office, and this was the Alaska Powerline Podcast. Thanks for joining us, folks, and we'll see you on the next episode. 